Hello and welcome to Not If I Ever You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and this week, Lindsay, it, it's you. Yeah, it's me! Woo! Um, we're gonna be adopting a book I read in, like, middle school called The Two Princesses of Bamar. It's by Gail Carson Levine, who's famous for Ella Enchanted. And I, okay, yeah, I thought it was real good back then. And I'm like, why hasn't this been adapted yet? And honestly, this this episode will be like another 30 minute one, I think, because it's pretty straightforward. It's been a while since he had a half remembered, a half remembered middle school book. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the premise of the two princesses of Bamar is that you have this fairy tale kingdom called Bamar. And there are these two princesses named Meryl and Addie. Addie is short for Adelina. Meryl is the bold, brave older sister, and Addie is very fearful and shy. And they live in a country that is plagued with something called the Grey Death, um, which is three stages. It, the Grey Death is an illness. Um, so it mm, goes... I, I had a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> if I wasn't clear enough. So the Grey Death goes... Um, first, you become very weak and fatigued. And then you fall into a sleep that lasts about a week. Oh, Uh, the weakness may last for hours to weeks. The sleep always lasts nine days. And the final stage is a fever that lasts three days. Uh, There's also like all sorts of other fairy fairy tale and fantasy creatures, including like dragons and specters, elves, dwarves griffins etc etc so the thing that happens the inciting incident is like meryl the main protect she's not the main protagonist but she feels like she should be the main protagonist um yes she 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 has main character syndrome she has main character syndrome except she's the one who gets the gray death oh so little shy sister addie is the one who has to step up and try and find a cure for the disease their dad is the king of Bamar, who's very ineffectual, and like the most he does to save his eldest daughter and presumably heir. There's no discussion about like what the actual situation when it comes to inheritance is to this kingdom. But anyway, um, so yeah, the dad, all he does is dither about, then he goes to the Queen of the Elves, is like, hey, do you have a cure for the Great Death and the Queen of the Elves is like, no, I don't. And he goes back home. (laughs) Yeah. So Addie takes it upon herself to go out and find the Great Death because there is, or the cure to the Great Death because there's prophecy that, quote, the Great Death will be cured when when cowards find courage and rain falls over all Bamar. So she gets a couple of supplies together uh, she gets a pair of seg- seven league boots and a magic spyglass that were left to her and Meryl by their late mother, Queen Daria, who also died of the Great Death. She carries a copy of Geralt, which is kind of like Bamar's equivalent to, like, not so much King Arthur because Geralt is. Geralt's the hero of these stories that. Um, he's not a King Arthur like figure, he's more like, say, He's a folk hero. Yeah, he's... Well, he's also a knight, so I would say he's more like Gawain 
Okay. Or like uh, Roland from the Charlemagne romances. But yeah, she's carrying these items. There's also this hot sorcerer named Reese who comes into their lives and he helps out every once in a while. And Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing about these sorcerers, they live a very long life, but they are born from marble. Supposedly lightning strikes marble and you might get a wizard from it. Or a sorcerer okay. from it. Yeah, it's neat. They always have white eyelashes, which tells you that they're that they're sorcerers. Um, anyway, he's the hot guy. Spoilers, Addie falls in love with Reese, and they wind up married at the end of the book. It's a weird romance, because it was very, like... I can see why she would fall in love with this guy, but there's not enough stuff here, and it feels like you've only known each other for, like, a week. I know that this is very tell logic, <laughs> but still... Gail, come on. I, I do love... Listen, we, we lasted how many years going on Once Upon a Time? I love when something adheres specifically very strictly to fairy tale logic. Yeah, but in this case, it just, like, it feels more like... <sighs> Romeo and Juliet is a bad point of comparison because they wind up dead. And the point is, like, this situation was bad to begin with. Don't do this. Um, But yeah. it, like, Meryl feels... Well, Meryl and Addie both feel like like they're teenagers for sure. Reese is stated to be the sorcerer equivalent of 17. And I've read Addie as being like 14, 15. And I'm just like, girl, girl, come on. There's other things to worry about. The big thing is that Addie goes on her journey to find the Grey Death. The cure to the Grey Death. She has... A couple of trials, and then eventually she gets captured by a dragon called Volus. And the thing that Addie has to do is entertain Volus long enough to escape. And during this time, stuck in a cave uh, with the dragon horde and all that, um, Addie learns the other side of the story to how the Great Death happened. So dragons are pretty much chaotic evil. For Bamar, um, and there's a story in Druwalt about Druwalt uh, slaying this dragon called Yon. Yon, as it turns out, was Volus's mother, and Volus reveals that before Yon died, she cursed Bamar with the Grey Death. Okay. So basically, Volus kind of gives away like how to cure the death because she thinks. This little princess is not leaving this cave. I'm going to get bored of her and eat her before she has the chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the cure to the death is that there's this magical uh, waterfall that comes from Mount Ziriat, which is the home of the fairies. And nobody has seen fairies for a couple of centuries. So there's a bit of a question of, like, is this thing even real? Yada, yada, yada. But eventually Addy manages to entertain Volus long enough and then figure out... Uh, she's in there long enough to figure out a way to get out um, and injure Volus on the way. And then she has to go to Mount Ziriat uh, because she now knows how to cure the Great Death. But first she's got to pick up Meryl. And she and Reese go to this valley that is kind of infamous in the in the Drill Tales for being the place where um, so Gerald had this uh, lover named Freya. She gets killed 
uh, I think, by a dragon herself. And the people of this valley were too cowardly to help him slay this dragon. I think it was probably Yon. So they get a reputation for being inherent cowards. So Addie and Meryl go to this valley, and they manage to rally the people enough by saying, hey, we have the cure to the Great Death. And it's like, well, the Great Death doesn't happen around here. And it's like, is it because of the waterfall that's near you guys? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of obvious. Um, But then they get beset by ogres because, as it turns out, Addie didn't kill Volus. She just wounded Volus, and Volus managed to rally a bunch of ogres to try and stop him as a final, like, fuck you, because Volus is just that petty. And at the last minute, when all hope seems lost, the fairies save everybody, because it also looks like like, um, Meryl's about to die. And the rains do fall over all of Bamar. But Meryl gets knocked out before she can actually see this happen, which I'm going to talk about in a bit. Um, (laughs) But what happens to Meryl is that she was so close to death, she couldn't technically be saved by the rains falling all all over Bamar. But they offer Meryl this deal where it's like, we can't save you from the Great Death itself, but we're going to turn you into a fairy. And Meryl's like, can I still, like, go on adventures and fight monsters? And they're like, yes. So she takes the deal, and it's also revealed that Geralt didn't die because he's supposed to, his stories were supposed to have happened centuries earlier. He instead became a fairy himself. Uh, and the story ends with uh, Addie and Reese getting married. The end! Hooray! Yeah. The end. The end. So I was thinking, like, what would I do if this were adapted? First, I think it would probably be best to animate it. Yeah. Like, the Dream Animation Studio would probably be Ghibli, but, like, I think anybody could do a good adaptation of this. Yeah, but the Ghibli definitely comes to mind. It's like an adventure in a medieval fantasy countryside. Yeah, bit pastoral, that sort of stuff. Centers on a heroine. Drawn your your uh, howl influence, even the area oh, yeah. influence. Oh yeah, easily. Some darker edges, like a little bit Princess Mononoke, probably. Yeah. And yeah, you would have like a really visually stunning uh, adaptation of this, and then just like story beat stuff. Like as I said, I wasn't too sold on the Addie Reese romance. Like I understand this is a middle school book. They're not going to go super deep into this. And this isn't... Like, there's a prequel book, but it isn't set during Addie and Meryl's lifetime. It's set a couple centuries earlier uh, when the people of Bamar were enslaved by a um, by neighboring people. Okay. Which is, like, interesting. But it's like, if this were, like, part of a larger series, like, it would have been nice to have, like paced out Addie and Reese's relationship over like like this could have easily have turned into like a yeah just like a series of books like the adventures of the two princesses of Bamar like okay probably Meryl would get the more exciting adventures because she's a fairy after the <laughs> first book <laughs> but like uh, I still think it would have benefited from just like that 
increase of time and space. I mean, that's one thing we can adjust is that it can be like, okay, Meryl becomes a fairy and then she's like, can I still go on adventures? And the fairy's like, well, I mean, only if you have a human to accompany. And Meryl looks at Addie and Addie's like, no, I just got back from an adventure. <laughs> and then the, the implication is that in future tales, that's like, Reese will join them and that's when Addie and Reese will start to fall for each other. But right now they're they're friends, but they have like a coy glance to each other because yeah. like there's something there, but also you're 14. Yeah. And like the other thing I was thinking about was like, okay, so there is no hint of a brother or another sibling or like any other family that could take over the throne once Lionel, their dad dies or like abdicates or something. So by implication of like, Meryl becoming a fairy. It seems like she has to kind of give up most of her human life. Like, what would have happened there? Like, she still gets to go on yeah. adventures and all that, but, like, she can't... She's in the fairy realm now, mostly. Yeah. So that means that the crown kind of falls on to... <laughs> falls on to Addie. Yeah, I totally get, like, this has Frozen 2 uh, similarities. <laughs> but, yeah. Like, uh, it just feels like that that would happen if there was a bit more space for world building. And, like, I think maybe instead of ending on Addie and Reese's wedding, like, it should maybe fall upon either Addie becomes queen or King Lionel decides to do a formal ceremony saying, Addie is my heir. And, like, we get to... Or they set up a democratically elected leader. Or, or, yeah, that, yeah. I know, I know. We're not a republic. Yeah. Hell, Prince just... I'm trying to remember because Prince didn't mean... Prince comes from a Latin thing. And it meant something different when it was first introduced. Comes from the Latin word princeps, uh, which means the one who takes the first place position. Uh, became the usual title of the informal leader of the Roman Senate some centuries before the transition to empire, the Princeps Senatus. So really, like, Addy can be like, we're transitioning to a democracy, I shall take on, for this time I am interim leader, I take on the title of princess, as in the first among equals. Okay. Or something like that. I don't know. I just think, like, again, it should end on the wedding because, like, this is, very sudden. Again, you were 14 and you're making eyes at the 17-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just think, like, those things, plus, like, just better planting and payoff when it comes to the fairy stuff. Because it's, like, mentioned once or twice early on that, oh, yeah, there used to be fairies here and then they kind of disappeared. And it's like, why? Why? Yeah, that's... Why? <laughs> and then they just show up at the end, like... <laughs> Hey, we're here. Deus Ex Machina, basically. Okay, it's better telegraphed than that because they're at the mountain where the fairies supposedly live. But yeah, it, it still felt a little bit Deus Ex Machina. Well, what what we could do actually is we can play into both the the fer fairy logic and fairy tale logic. Yeah. Because the okay, so the, the the prophecy says the disease won't be cured until cowards find courage and rain falls over Bamar. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And because the woman who created the Great Death, she cast a spell and created that prophecy, 
we can say that because she said that, the fairies couldn't intervene with anything until someone fulfilled that prophecy. Yeah. So they're all just, like, hanging in the back. We can have, again, a very Ghibli thing where, like, Addie is walking through the woods and she, like, hears the whispering or the tinkling of bells and she looks and she doesn't see anything. But we, the audience, can see that, like, oh, there's some eyes in the trees. There's eyes in the bushes. Oh, there's yeah. the glowing lights. Like, she's looking one way, but we're looking, like, at the back of her head and we can see like the glowing lights and the whispers like behind her even get a little hensonian with like little goblins popping up out of a place and like oh we can't do anything yet she has to say the words she has to do the thing (laughs) and then when the fairies finally like okay well she found the courage and she the rain is falling over bar so now we can do something and then they all pop out full force yes and also i don't want her to be knocked out at the climax of the fight with like Volus and the ogres. Yeah. Because it's it's one of those, like... Well, knock out Reese instead. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does get knocked out. But it's like one of those, like, All hope is lost, or sorcerer is gone! My love! You're 14. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that could be part of the darkest moment, which also leads to... Um, Meryl is about to go and like wash herself or, or drink from the from the magic waterfall and she gets distracted and like that's just long enough for the Grey Death to fully catch up with her. Hence why the fairies are like, Well, we can't actually technically save you, but like we can turn you into a Because you're dead. <laughs> you're only mostly dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but only mostly dead. He's still a little bit alive. (laughs) (laughs) Just bringing Princess Bride into this. We're going by sheer technicalities. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, like, I I feel like Addy deserves to at least get in, like, a good kill with Volus sort of stuff. And then, yeah, Barry saved the day. Or it's like, we can finally actually do stuff now that the spell is broken, the evil is defeated. There's a dance party ending. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Someone else is getting buried, and Reese and Addie end up bumping into each other while they're dancing, and they look, and they blush, and then Reese offers to dance with her, and she does, or she's about to, and then she's swept away by... I mean, no, I guess it's a Ghibli, so there doesn't have to be a non-human comic relief character, voiced by Alan Tudyk. <laughs> yeah, that's if we go the Disney route. If if we go the Disney route, then there's gonna be, like, a baby griffin with a sassy attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the gri- griffins were, like, feral, and they once ate themselves to death, because Maddie has this magic picnic cloth that gives her food all the time. So she's, like, okay. out, like, having her lunch, and then all of a sudden a swarm of griffins happen, and they just start eating everything, and then they just collapse from eating too much. Oh no, they're like crackles. <laughs> That's how Wallace found her. Because Wallace was flying around and was like, why are there griffins all of a sudden dying? <laughs> I must investigate. Instead of instead of some lions and eagles, it's stray cats and seagulls. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a Disney movie they would be like the seagulls in Finding Nemo yeah (laughs) mine 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 (laughs) then again that was a very accurate representation of seagulls so yeah honestly this 
this film could turn into references to other <clears throat> to other fairy tale stuff a lot. Yeah, that's that's what it would be if it was like mid two thousands DreamWorks. Oh God, yeah. It's the, prince. Uh, the thing is, if it was if it was modern day DreamWorks, it would be very similar aesthetically to Ghibli. If we yeah. asked them for it, basically, yeah. or Sony, or Sony, yeah, yeah, no, two thousands where it's always a direct wink to the camera. It would be like, here's a reference to Princess Bride. Here's a reference to the Last Unicorn. Everybody is snarky. Yeah, the poster would include the main characters staring right out at at the look at the onlookers with that raised eyebrow. Yep. <laughs> And it wouldn't be called the two princesses of Bamar. It'd be called like I'm trying to think of something a trite one world title. <laughs> Princess. Yes. That was more of a 2010s thing with Frozen and Tangled. Lindsay, the trailer for Wish just came out this morning. Oh yeah, that's true. It actually looks good. <laughs> Don't you hate it when you make fun of a Disney sh movie because it looks like a really stupid premise and also it's Disney, but then the trailer comes out and it looks really artistically unique? Yeah, once in a while they do get... Like, damn it, if your art was constantly shit, it'd be easier to hate you. Yeah. But you keep putting out things I want to see. You're a terrible company, but you keep <laughs> allowing for the existence of genuinely good storytelling and art. Stop it! <laughs> I think that's part of Disney's master plan. Like, they have to put out some- Is to be competent? They have to at least put out some competent shit to keep people coming. Yeah, why could it- It would be so much easier to get rid of Disney if they were, like, Warner Brothers <laughs> or Netflix. <laughs> yeah. But no, they have to have standards. Yeah. Man, one of these days, Disney is actually going to declare itself a sovereign nation. It's working on it. Yeah. I I mean, it's only doing it to get back around DeSantis, which, so it's like, it's hard to be too critical of it. Like, I'm sure we're going to regret it in four years, but right now it's fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. That strange little man needs to be taken down. So. Didn't they say that, like, they have ownership of the, their plot of land in perpetuity until the last descendant of King Charles dies or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Basically, as long as, like, they don't do something to fuck up the perpetuity agreements. Um, I did a bit of a calculation just based on, okay, so the youngest of Charles's grandchildren is Lilibet, who's uh, Harry's daughter. She is not yet two. And his side of the family is not notable for living very long lives. His yeah. great-grandmother, the queen mum, Live to be 101 years old, so if Lilibet can pull that off... Now, now here's the... Plus 21 years after she dies. Now, here's the question, though. <laughs> if, if by some horrible turn, Will and Kate and their plus eight all... Die, I don't know how many kids they have, so I'm just going to assume. But if, if the Will and Kate section of the family tree, if they die tragically, and Charles dies of racism or something... <laughs> D do do Harry and Meghan still count? Yeah. Because I thought they, like, removed themselves from the line of succession. Um, as far as I know, they haven't removed themselves from the lines of succession, and they were offered titles. It's just they didn't, they decided not to take the titles. Okay, so they, they've they been, like, recused on paper, but they, they them and their descendants can take the throne if 
the the will section of the family yeah something happens to them yeah okay but again this is in the middle ages and that's likely not gonna happen um, unless there's another bout of the plague or someone actually manages to pull off a gunpowder plot oh yeah like in shanghai nights (laughs) but anyway that's like a totally different thing and it's more just that's a different ghibli movie yeah and again we are just at this moment you know what we're like that one scene in the 2014 godzilla movie where dr sarazawa is like let them fight we really are yeah wait about the royals or about disney and DeSantis? all of them yeah (laughs) (laughs) and as the point is that you should commit arson on republican lawmakers houses because they don't care about you yeah Anyways, but princesses. Princesses of Bamar, because fairy tales and all that sort of stuff. And I thought this was a good book. And I listened to the audiobook. And yes, it was a very middle school book. I, I will say it, it is like a good middle school book. I think it suffered from being drowned by the Harry Potter mania. Yeah. yeah. And like, it didn't help that fantasy for a very long time, especially for middle and high school uh, demographics, was very geared towards girls, and the girl books get shoved into the girl book ghetto. Yeah. Like, Harry Potter is actually just the worst witch, but with a boy. Harry Potter's not even high fantasy. It's, I mean, it could be high fantasy, Except it doesn't enjoy the it doesn't seem to enjoy the magic part of it. It cares more about the school part of it. Yeah, it doesn't enjoy the magic part and it doesn't interact with the urban like modern world enough to be an urban fantasy. Yeah. Like it, it's a low fantasy by technicality. Yeah. It should have been a portal fantasy. Like just pure and simple that it that would have saved the entire world building, I think. Or maybe not, but, like, it would have made things a lot simpler. Anyway, this isn't a Harry Potter crash fest. Yeah. This is about Gail Carson Levine, who is a good writer. Yes. Like. And, yeah, it really is one of those books that got drowned. Like, truly, you'll, quite often, I will find a book that is like, well, how did I never hear about this? Why did I never read this when I was that age? And I look at when it was like, oh, right, Harry Potter ate it. Yeah. That's why so many other book podcasters and book content creators like, you you know why you didn't read this. I wish more people were aware of it, but, like, we all know. Yeah, we all know. It's why idiots on social media are like, how can you be mad at J.K. Rowling? She was the first female author to be famous. And we don't need to get into that because Lindsay's going to start throwing wine glasses at the camera. All we know, all we need to say is that those people are fucking foolish. They, they are professional bootlickers. And yes. they can choke on rolling steel-toed boot. Steel-toed jackboot. Exactly. <laughs> princesses! Princesses! The two princesses of Bamar is real great, and I love that Addie is, like, the quiet, shy one who's also rather feminine. And, okay, so this book did also come out at the height of the... There was a tendency for the female protagonist to be like, I'm not, I'm not like other girls. Like, especially in the pseudo-medieval fantasy settings where it's like, yeah. I I don't want to do embroidery. 
even though that was a very important skill to have, because, like, how else are you supposed to learn how to sew? Because you have to hand-make your own clothes? You dipshit? Yeah, but, but Meryl voice, try wearing a corset. Oh, God. Thankfully, Meryl never said that, but, like... But she would. Yeah. Like... The, Meryl, Meryl is the one who's not like other girls, and Addie is the one who's like, damn, do I have to step up and be not like other girls? And the thing is, no, you don't. You can be like other girls. Yeah. She was entertaining Volus by embroidering her story. Like, she's creative. She's good at drawing. She's good at sewing. And that is, and she's... It's, I feel like it could almost be a Shahrazade situation where it's like, but if you eat me, you'll never see the ending of this beautiful tapestry I'm making. And go go get me some fabric. Go get me some uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Like, there is other ways of dealing with a dragon than just sword. Even though sword is ultimately yeah. cool. But, like, yeah. It's the whole... It's a bugbearer I've had. Even when I was, like, young, th- something just about the whole attitude about, like, towards all the traditionally feminine stuff didn't sit well with me. Forced femininity is not good, but, like, completely trashing femininity isn't good either. Yeah, like, because the issue with I'm not like other girls implies that there's something wrong with girls yes. and being a girl. Mm-hmm. We can have healthier morals and messaging than I'm not like other girls. Because what do you mean by I'm not like other girls? Are the other girls in the room with us right now? <laughs> do you mean not like your best friend? Who's into da 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 da, or to this other girl who's into da 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 da, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all contain multitude. Exactly. And they're going back to Studio Ghibli. Studio Ghibli likes a heroine who is brave and is able to do like the tough physical stuff, but it also exudes a certain softness and compassion and empathy. Yeah. the The heroine of Howls just wins by gumption and. Getting Howl to calm down. Yeah! <laughs> the first indication that she was going to save Howl's ass was when she managed to calm him down because his hair dye didn't work as he intended it to. <laughs> <laughs> because Howl is just that vain. But yeah, like, again, Addie is Studio Ghibli heroine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's about it. I just wanted to do something fun. Yeah. I guess my only thing is, does the dragon have to be the bad guy just because I'm a romantic who likes a nice dragon? And if Addie, if Addie is spending all this time, like, doing all these things for the dragon, wouldn't the dragon come to appreciate her? Well, the narrative says that dragons are very capricious and they get bored of their captives or their companions and then they tend to flame them and eat them but then they get very sad about it ah uh, yeah but i don't know maybe we don't have to kill volus because there's there is this whole moment of volus explaining like drool killed my mom and she cursed the land so i don't know maybe it is like a try to you know, be nice to the dragon and see if the dragon can see, you know, 
I don't know. Showing compassion to the dragon might be one of the reasons why the curse gets left lifted. Yeah. And and it also would then introduce a theme of not relying solely on the history that states you must kill the thing. Yes. Finding alternate ways to solve problems. Be- being a violent adventurer is just going to cause problems for the generations down the line when your sins come back to bite you. Yes. You know, maybe we shouldn't categorize a whole bunch of creatures as always chaotic evil. Plus, plus, then we can also have a scene where it's like, instead of like fighting and slaying the dragon, Addy like rides the dragon and the dragon has a big bucket and just like pours the waterfall water all over Babar. <laughs> oh my god, that might be like, that would be such a cool visual. Yes. We just have to make sure it's not in the advertising. Yeah. All the advertising has to make the dragon look bad. Yes. And then it's only revealed that the dragon can be nice because it was shown kindness in the climax. Yes. Yes. Oh, the the dragon is as menacing as, like, Smaug, but then it turns... Oh, no. Yes. Yeah. It's it's somewhere between Smaug, uh, classic Maleficent, and the dragon from Shrek. Because okay, you said it's a girl dragon, right? Yeah. yeah, it's a girl dragon. Oh, who would voice the oh, dragon? You're a girl dragon! <laughs> I mean, Donkey... You're just bursting with feminine charm. <laughs> that sounded like Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> <laughs> because I thought that you were going for Eddie Murphy as Donkey. I was trying to. <laughs> Didn't end up there. Yeah. Oh, jeez, you're a girl dragon. <laughs> anyway, who do you think should voice this dragon? Catherine Hahn. Yeah, got like a, a bit of an... It was Agatha all along... <laughs> It was a dragon all along. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Catherine Hahn was probably the best pick ever for Agatha Harkness. Like, I, I think we unfortunately are living in an era where a lot of older actresses who would have been a good Agatha Harkness, unfortunately, have passed away. I mean, here's the thing. My second pick for Agatha Harkness would have been, um, um, Patty Lapone. Okay. And now Patty Lapone is going to be in Covenant Chaos, so it's like, it balances out. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, Catherine Hahn as Wallace, and then, I don't know, probably like, professional voice actors for the rest of the characters. Yeah, well, I think, I think Meryl should be a stunt casting mm. to make people think she's going to be the, one of the protagonists. Yeah. Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld, yeah, definitely Haley Steinfeld. Um, but yes, Addie and Reese would both be unknowns. Yeah. And then Geralt would be Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. Or, or, um, oh shoot, the guy from This Is Us, who's been in other great things, but I can only remember This Is Us. Sterling K. Brown. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I feel like ride right now. Um, yeah, I think, I think we got it. Yeah. So. All right. In that case, now that the prophecy has been fulfilled, the fairies can return, and they've brought with them a friendship promo! Welcome to our Sparks Ignited, an interstitial actual play set in the Magic the Gathering multiverse. My name is Waffle, pronouns they, them, and I will be your GM. Hi, I'm Sid, pronouns she, they. I'm playing Niklas. He's a completely normal man. Don't worry about it. Hi, my name is Charles, pronouns he, him, and I am playing Una, who is not Samurai Jack. 
I'm Lafayette Terrapong. I use they, them pronouns. I play Teapot, the trash collector. I'm Tanner Vogelsang, pronouns they, them, and I am playing Zepha, a Simic Biomancer, and I have a pet squid pigeon named Squidgen. You can find our Sparks Ignited every other Monday on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get good podcasts. Okay, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? Um, I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they're pronounced one, two, princesses kneel before you. That's what I said now. You can also email us at notifireabootyoufirst at gmail.com, or you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your alternate forms of de-escalation when dealing with dragons. Yeah! And that's also where you can send us a friendship promo, whether it's an audio clip or a proof for us to read. But either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or your YouTube or your middle grade novel that was swallowed up by the Harry Potter mania. And you'd really like people to check it out now. Mm-hmm. Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. As always, our cover art is by Alex Fierce, and her work can be found on Pachu.com, and our theme music is done by Sean Clake, whose contact info was available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotol, and Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. So, Tanner. Lindsay. What do you have for us next week? Or next time? Next week, we're going to follow our feet and change our stars. Okay. And I'm going to tell you guys that tale next time, but not if we reboot you first. Bye.